Welcome into the inaugural episode of Icing the Ticker, your go-to fantasy sports podcast. My name is Jory Mickens. Alongside me today, we have Joe Matthews and Ryan Johnston. How are you fellas doing? Jory, I'm doing great. It's, you know, it's getting to that point in the summer where you start doing some mock drafts, you start reactivating your fantasy leagues and starting actually paying attention to it for the first time in a couple of months and I mean for me at least for the past week I've been non-stop just starting to you know read articles and you know listen to some other podcasts and get myself ready for the season so I'm more than ready and excited to help our listeners get ready for everything they need to to win their leagues this year because that's what we're here for yeah you know I definitely had to brush up a little bit on my fantasy sports stuff because or at least my fantasy football stuff because it has been a little while what with the uh, NBA playoffs going on but definitely excited uh football is my forte but I'm gonna do my best here so uh if my picks don't end up well just just know that hey none of us are experts at this point but like you said Joe you know there are a bunch of other sports going on right now and but you you can never be uh, you can never be uh I guess too prepared for your fantasy football league. So we figured we'd, we'd get things kicking off early this summer. But let's just get right into it. Um, you know, it is the kind of the, the lulling periods of, of the NFL season. There's not much going on. Teams are gearing up for training camp and things like that. But there was a bit of news this week, um, and we learned the status of some contract negotiations for – some upper echelon wide receivers in the NFL this past week. As on Friday, it was reported that Bears receiver Allen Robinson and Buccaneers receiver Chris Godwin are unlikely to sign long-term deals with their teams before the July 15th deadline, which is this Thursday. Both of those receivers were franchise tagged this offseason, but this, again, is a fantasy sports podcast, so... Everything is fantasy related. That being said, which of these two receivers are you more excited for, for at least the 2021 season? Because obviously the future remains unknown for these two receivers where they'll end up beyond 2021. But for this season, who are you more excited for, Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin? I, uh, I'll take this one first, I guess. Uh, for me, I'm really more excited for Allen Robinson. And I think that this is going to wind up being a huge year for him, especially due to the fact that, you know, like you just said, Troy, where there's a little bit of a contract dispute going on between him and the Bears and, you know, he wants big money. And I think this is going to be a type of season where, you know, he's going to have that motivation to really play himself into a big time contract, which I think he more than deserves because he's been one of the more underrated receivers over the past couple of seasons in the NFL. I mean, just looking at last year and in his stats, 1,200 yards and six touchdowns on 102 receptions. The year before in 2019, 98 receptions for, again, around 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. He's a proven number one wide receiver in this league. And the biggest thing, too, is that he's been doing that without really top-tier quarterback play, which is what you see a lot of, you know, top-tier wide receivers get. He in Chicago has 
had a mix of, you know, Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. There was even Chase Daniel for a couple of spot starts, you know, throughout his time there. And even despite all that, he still puts up absolute monster, monster numbers. And especially in terms of, you know, a, a fantasy perspective, just last year when he had, you know, a half season of Nick Foles and a half season of Trubisky, he finished with 262 fantasy points in PPR. And that's good for, was good for ninth amongst all receivers in the entire NFL. So, I mean, he, in fantasy, has been a top-tier, number-one proven option who you can put on your roster and he can just carry that wide receiver position for you. And that's with shaky quarterback play. And this year, he, in theory, should probably wind up getting the best he's ever had should Justin Fields pan out, who the Bears went out and got in the draft. Fields probably won't start the year for the Bears because they did uh, also sign in Dalton in free agency. So you figure they might want to give, you know, maybe three or four starts to Dalton, let Fields, you know, get his feet wet in practice and training camp and all that stuff before he really steps in. But if Justin Fields lives up to his hype, which I think he absolutely can, he's going to be, he's the type of guy who can come in and be a legitimate franchise quarterback. And, you know, he, if he plays to his ceiling, at least for his rookie year, is probably going to wind up being the best quarterback Allen Robinson has ever played with. And we've seen him put up 1,300 yard seasons about with, you know, the shaky quarterback player, like I said. So if Justin Fields really pops off in this upcoming season, I think you realistically could see Allen Robinson really, really break out. And, you know, he might have a 1,400 yard, 1,500 yard season, double digit touchdowns, you know, and wind up finishing up towards the very, very top of, you know, the, the fantasy rankings at the end of the season with guys like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, who have been known for dominating in fantasy and, you know, being top tier number one guys in, on, in the fantasy game. So I'm incredibly excited to see what Allen Robinson does this year, especially, you know, with, with the whole Justin Fields factor, how much he's proven himself in the past. And, you know, I still think he's just so underrated and people don't give him a lot of the respect I think he deserves because he absolutely should be included in the conversation with guys like, you know, Adams Hill Hopkins, who I just said in terms of just regular football in the NFL. So I'm banking on a huge, huge year from him this year. And I mean, no disrespect to Chris Godwin, but I think with Godwin, it's just a little bit of an issue. There might be too many mouths to feed in that Tampa Bay offense because they've got Antonio Brown coming back probably. And they've got Mike Evans and Gronk. So the volume maybe. I'm not sure about Chris Godwin, but I just know for certain that Allen Robinson is going to have a huge, 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 huge year this year. You know, this is going to sound bad because I'm just going to be paraphrasing what Joe said pretty much because Allen Robinson was also my pick. Uh, you know, the, the only question mark I have with this Bears offense right now is that offensive line because they are looking a little rough. And although, you know, obviously Robinson isn't a quarterback, he's going to have his quarterbacks going to have less time in the pocket to make decisions uh, that could affect him. But, you know, he's, he's really uh, a great player. And, you know, as, as you said about Dalton, I mean, I, I don't think that he should play too much this season for the bears. You know, he, he's definitely getting older. He had a couple of good seasons uh, earlier in his career with the Bengals, but, um, and he, he wasn't terrible for the Cowboys last year, I'd say, but, he definitely wasn't great. And when you have a, a prospect like Fields at quarterback, you got to get uh, reps for him 
as early in the season as possible, in my, in my opinion. I, I don't know if they're going to start him, but I, I think they should get him on the field pretty, pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and as for Chris Godwin, you know, they had Mike Evans, you know, Rob Gronkowski is kind of more of a blocking tight end at, at this point uh, for the Bucks, but he can still break out and do some stuff on offense. We saw it in the Super Bowl, I think. Um, and his yards dropped a lot uh, from – 2019 to 2020 he only had 840 yards last year he had 1300 the year prior so um like you said i think it's just a case of there's just too much talent on that bucks team for him to have just a crazy offensive year he does have the goat in tom brady i don't think that should be a question for anyone anymore at quarterback but um yeah i think alan robinson he's really gonna show out this year he, he, there's not a lot of whole a whole lot of competition for touches uh at that wide receiver spot and uh if the offensive line can be even mediocre i think justin Fields should have a consistent target with him this year i like what both of you are saying i mean i think my pick is obvious it's it's alan robinson but i mean just in general though one of the great things about fantasy football is just it doesn't matter how mediocre a team is. If a player is talented enough, he's going to provide fantasy value. And that's exactly what Allen Robinson has done the past. I mean, his entire career, basically. Um, you know, you mentioned it, Joe. The Bears, they were uh, not just a, a poor passing attack last season. They ranked 22nd in the league in passing offense last year. And like you mentioned, with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles under center. And despite that, he finished as the wide receiver nine in PPR formats. Um, and he did have a few dud games. You know, he had a, a pretty poor game against the Giants in week two, um, against the Panthers and Vikings in week six and ten. And then the last week of the season against the Packers, who didn't play, uh, you know, up to his level. But for the most part, you knew what you were getting from Allen Robinson week in and week out. And you can't really say the same thing about Chris Godwin. Last year, well, let me let me start. Two seasons ago, actually, he was the wide receiver two in PPR formats, the second best wide receiver, only behind Michael Thomas, who that year set an NFL record with 194 receptions. Um, so then you add Tom Brady, and everyone thinks, okay, well, Chris Godwin, how can I mean you go from James Winston to arguably the greatest quarterback of all time? You would imagine this is only going to get better. Well. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver 31 in PPR formats. He did miss four games due to injury. Um, and at the end of the season, as he kind of got healthier, he he's definitely looked more like himself. Um, from week nine on, he finished as the wide receiver 17. But again, the thing that concerns me the most with Godwin is just his opportunity in general. I mean, I think Mike Evans is a clear number one receiver in Tampa Bay. And you also have Antonio Brown, who you know, despite being 33 years old, he's he's going to take some targets away from Godwin as well. And Tom Brady, I mean, he defies father time every year seemingly, but nothing can last forever. And he'll be 44 years old by the time the season starts. And you have to imagine at some point the cliff is going to come for Brady. Um, maybe not. Maybe he's just a, you know, ageless wonder and he'll never, ever retire, but we'll see. Um, but again, I, I like what you both said about Justin Fields, too. I think if he ends up winning that starting job at any point of this season, 
I think the sky is the limit for Allen Robinson. And like you said, I mean, that could literally be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever had in his career. So it's very exciting for, for Chicago fans, I would imagine, heading into this season. Um, but, you know, with that out of the way, again, there wasn't too much NFL news this, this week, um, really in this, this entire month of July thus far. I think as we move along, get closer to the NFL kickoff, you know, we'll obviously have a lot more to talk about. But in honor of the first episode, the inaugural episode of Icing the Ticker, I figured it would be fitting to focus on some NFL newcomers, some players who, you know, whether it be via trades, via free agency, via, via the NFL draft, you know, some rookies. There are plenty of new faces in new places. So we're going to, the three of us, we're, we're going to go uh, one at a time. And Joe, I guess you can go first. So give me three players in new situations who you believe will have an impactful fantasy season in 2021. And of course, as always, explain yourself. Well, to, to kick it off, there's one guy that I really want to talk about and talk of, and I think he fits everything that you want in a fancy option this coming season. And of course he's a guy in a new situation and that's Mike Davis, who was recently signed in the off season by the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Davis, a running back, of course. And here's the thing. When, when you're come to, when you're talking about fantasy football and especially the running back position in fantasy football, the biggest thing for me, at least, is just the sheer opportunity. We kind of, you kind of touched on it a little bit, Jory, as you know, why Chris Godwin might not be a great option this coming year, just because he might not have a lot of, you know, targets and opportunities because of how stacked that Buccaneers team is going to be. With Mike Davis, he's absolutely going to have the opportunity to take over a backfield and get most, if not all, of the carries from the running back position. Looking at the Falcons depth chart right now, Mike Davis is at the top at the running back position. The only other guys that are competing with him that are going to probably be on the active roster are Cordell Patterson, who he's like, he's really a wide receiver, but now he's been converted to a running back kind of, but, you know, personally, I do not trust Cordell Patterson to turn into, you know, a behemoth running back, you know, who can take away a job from a starter. And then the other guys at the running back position are Kadri Olison and Tony Brooks James, who no disrespect to them, but I mean, you know, again, those are younger guys. They're not really proven. They, they haven't shown the talent that much. And so just looking at the depth chart alone, Mike Davis should be the number one running back by far. And I really think that he's going to wind up being a true three down back for that team and, you know, dominating and getting pretty much every carry every game for the entire season. Obviously, you know, he'll get taken out for a couple of drives to, you know, rest him and stuff like that. But another big thing too, that I'm really looking forward to in terms of Mike Davis in fantasy is his average draft position right now, where you can sort of get him in fantasy drafts. Uh, according to fantasypros.com right now, his average draft position is 75th overall, which if you're in, a 10-team league is, I believe, like the eighth round. A 12-team league, it's probably around like the sixth round or so. And that went into the draft, especially this year. You know, if you look at the, you know, draft field, there's not incredible – there's not a lot of deep running back talent. There's a lot of wide receiver talent this year. Running back seems to fall off a cliff a little bit. 
Mike Davis is a guy who's going to be a bona fide starter getting most of, if not all the carries out of his backfield. And you can get him in that late to mid rounds. And so for me, he's a guy that I absolutely have circled a thousand times and my targets locked on because, you know, other guys that are going to be going around his draft range are guys like, you know, Travis Etienne, James Robinson, Javante Williams, Michael Gordon, like, you know, with the Broncos and the Jaguars that those team, those teams, those guys are on, those are more committee type situations where there's not a clear cut starter and you don't know who's going to get the most of the opportunity. Mike Davis is a true starting running back that is going to be sitting for you in probably the fifth or sixth round. And if he's there, you know, you should absolutely snatch him up because in, in theory, in the fifth round, you might already have your number one and two running backs on your team. And if you can get Mike Davis to be either like a flex or just a bench option, that's insane depth for your fantasy squad. And I really think Mike Davis is going to have a big year. He broke out last year. Uh, he was on the Panthers last year. And when Christian McCaffrey got hurt and missed some time throughout the year, Mike Davis stepped up and became the starter. And he was pretty phenomenal. I mean, in, in half PPR, uh, which he, he ranked as the 15th overall running back ahead of guys like Chris Carson, guys like DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, who are all names that are this coming season going to be guys going in like the second or third round and like, you know, big time, you know, fantasy options. Mike Davis was better than all of them last year. And that was with, he, he didn't even play every game because Christian McCaffrey still started in at least five or six games when he was healthy. And so Mike Davis coming to an offense where he's going to be the true number one starter an offense which now the Falcons have Arthur Smith as their head coach, who was most recently in Tennessee, in Tennessee with the Titans. And we know the Titans have Derrick Henry and Arthur Smith. I mean, he did absolute wonders for Derrick Henry. and They had the best rushing attack in the entire NFL. So you've got to think that he's going to do wonders for the running game in Atlanta with Mike Davis, combining the opportunity, combining where you can get him in the draft. I think Mike Davis, for me, is my number one guy of any, you know, sort of free agent trade acquisition, you know, sort of a new face in a new place. I think Mike Davis is going to have the biggest year of any of these particular players. Well, Ryan, if you don't mind, because Mike Davis was actually one of my three players that I also picked. So I'll just piggyback off of Joe really quick before you, you know, give your first player. I mean, like you said, I mean, everything you said about Mike Davis is basically know what I have written down in my notes I mean there's a lot of things to be excited about Atlanta and and their offense this year um I mean they did lose Julio Jones or they traded away Julio Jones and that's obviously you know a, one of the biggest storylines of this offseason but Calvin Ridley he's shaping up to be one of the best receivers in the league and everyone's favorite rookie Kyle Pitts is everyone's favorite tight end right now um but Mike Davis, like you said, he's just been the most under-the-radar player, I feel like, this entire offseason. Like, and you mentioned it. Last year when he filled in for Christian McCaffrey, um, and I believe in PPR leagues, not half – yeah, I'm talking about PPR leagues at least. Um, he was a running back 12 on the season. And in the 10 games in which he had at least 10 rushing attempts, he averaged 82 yards from scrimmage, almost a touchdown a game, and four receptions per game. I mean, that's really, really good production for, I mean, that's basically a three down back that you're getting, like you said, potentially anywhere from the sixth to eighth round in your draft. So 
I, I just love Mike Davis this year. And like, I think the, the fact that he has the Atlanta's backfield all to himself at the moment is crazy. I thought they would have invested in a running back in a draft at least, but if he goes into this year as really just the, the lone running back in that backfield uh, and like you said, picking him up that late in your draft, he might be the steal of this season, but Ryan, I'll let you go now. <laughs> Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess my first pick, uh, I think it's a uh, probably the biggest name that changed teams that I can recall uh, this off season, uh, Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, he got traded to the Rams from Detroit, obviously for Jared Goff. And uh, you know, he's been such a good player for, for so long, you know, I mean, last season he, he had 4,000 yards, uh, 26 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Like those are good numbers. Um, and now you're, actually moving to him to a team with some weapons on it. You know, I mean, last season, his best wide receivers were uh, Kenny Galladay, who didn't play a whole lot, and Marvin Jones Jr., really. And, uh, you know, now he's moving to guys like Cooper Cup. You know, he had 970 uh, reception yards last year. Robert Woods, similar reception numbers. And Deshaun Jackson, who's still a good deep threat. Um, and even someone like Cam Akers out of the backfield, who's not like a superstar. I would say, but he's, he's definitely a decent player. Um, he finally has some weapons. And uh, um, I think with Sean McVay, I think Matt Stafford can do some really great things this year. And he's not even ranked that highly either. Um, I believe he's ranked like 98th, according to fantasypros.com. So he could definitely be a good pickup at quarterback. Um, I know a lot of leagues favor running backs, but um you know, he could be a great pickup at, at quarterback. And the Rams have, you know, they still have a good offensive line. According to Pro Football Focus, they have the ninth best offensive line going into next year. He should have plenty of time. And, you know, he's just a great talent that's finally getting a good team around him. And I think he should be able to do some great things next year. Well, Joe, I'll, I'll let you go again. But I, I like that pick a lot, Ryan. I think Matt Stafford. I mean, you hear Sean McVay talking up Matt Stafford all offseason long. I'm very excited about the Rams in general. I think not, I mean, not only do they, are they going to have a lot of really good fantasy options this year with Matt Stafford, like you said, with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Cam Akers, who I think is going to have a, a breakout season. I mean, there's just their team in general has a chance to even reach the Super Bowl. So I think they're going to have a really, really good season. But I, I like your pick. So my next guy that I want to talk about uh, as a new guy in a new situation, newcomer, this is kind of a little bit of a loophole to the question because this player I'm going to talk about, I'm not so much excited about him, but I'm more excited about the impact that he could potentially have on the rest of his team in terms of fantasy. And that's Carson Wentz going to the Indianapolis Colts. So Carson Wentz, he's, kind of had a roller coaster of an NFL career. He came up at, as a rookie with the Eagles and at the gate was phenomenal, was playing MVP caliber football, towards ACL. The Eagles go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz even playing for them. And then once Carson Wentz comes back from injury, you know, he kind of has some up and down seasons. And this last past season in Philadelphia, he kind of just looked flat out terrible at times and obviously gets traded in the offseason to the Colts. The big thing, though, that I'm intrigued to see about Carson Wentz with 
in general, too, I think Carson Wentz does have absolutely the potential to have a bounce back year. The big reason for that is that he's being reunited with Frank Reich. Frank Reich, the current Colts head coach, was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles back in 2017 when Carson Wentz put together his MVP level campaign. And so with those two back together, I think that Reich, if there's any guy in the NFL who can really help Carson Wentz make a big time comeback, I think that it's going to be him. But the big thing with, Car- with Carson Wentz that I want to talk about is his impact potentially on the tight end position. So back in 2017, I'm going to read out a stat for you. When Carson Wentz and Frank Reich were reunited or originally united, now they're going to be reunited. Wentz targeted the tight end position 165 times in 2017. That was the second most of any quarterback in the NFL that year. Heading into this season, he's projected to throw 555 times, 555 passing attempts. That's just the ballpark and sort of Vegas number for his projections. And if you multiply the rate that he threw to the tight end uh, at when he was with Frank Reich, for this year, that's going to wind up being about 180 targets to the tight end position, which is a huge, huge number. And the big thing that comes from that is that the Colts tight ends could have a a huge breakout season. And the most important thing is that the Colts tight ends are not guys that you have to really get at the top of the draft and really pin your hopes on. Right now, the Colts tight end with the highest average draft position is Mo Alley-Cox with 297 in PPR leagues, which is I mean, he's going to be undrafted in pretty much every single league. The other guy there, Jack Doyle at 346. He's definitely going to be undrafted in pretty much any one of your leagues. And also, they have a rookie tight end there, Kylan Granson, who he's not even on the board of potential, you know, draftable tight ends right now that I'm looking at. So those are three guys there that you could either just pick up off the waiver wire out of the gate week one, or you could conceivably get them in the very last round of your draft and have a dart throw on them. And the three of those guys, I think, really have the potential to have a big year because, you know, like we've sort of hammered home so far, the biggest thing in fantasy is opportunity. And if Carson Wentz is going to be throwing hypothetically 180 times to the tight end position, even if, you know, it's Mo Cox and Jack Doyle and they just completely go 50-50 split, that's 90 targets for each of them, which is more than enough to help, you know, a tight end get up into maybe not the very, very top, but a top 10 level tight end in terms of fantasy. And that's the guy, that's a guy that you have to have on your roster. So with Carson Wentz being in Indianapolis, I'm intrigued a, to just see whether or not he can bounce back and return to MVP form. But regardless of that, I'm really curious about the impact he's going to have on those Colts tight ends and, you know, guys like Mo Cox and Jack Doyle are two guys that I have, you know, sort of circled again on my draft board that I'm going to be looking at towards the end of the draft or immediately putting them on my, on my watch list heading into, you know, week one and week two and maybe, you know, seeing how they do in the begin- very beginning of the season. And they could wind up, I really think, being top tier waiver wire options at the beginning of the year. Uh, that's very astute analysis. I mean, to divvy up the target share and going back to it's very good analysis by you, Joe. Um, but I think uh, I'm going to now transition over to the wide receiver position a little bit because I think at least one player that trend or you know went to a new team but has some familiarity, kind of similar to how Carson Wentz has familiarity with Frank Wright, 
Marvin Jones um, heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars um, but two reasons I, I'm excited. One, obviously, is famili- familiarity with the team. And, and in particular, their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, who was hired um, by the Jaguars this offseason to be the offensive coordinator. And again, his average draft position. But I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so Daryl Bevel, he was the offensive coordinator of the Lions for the past two seasons. Obviously, Marvin Jones was uh, a receiver for the Lions. Um, and in those two seasons, he amassed 1,757 yards and 18 touchdowns, uh, in those two seasons. And that was with, with him missing at least three full games in that time. Um, it's worth noting also that Bevel's offenses are seemingly more pass oriented. Um, again, in 2019 with Matt Stafford, uh, before he got hurt, his 16 game pace was nearly 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. So whoever the number one receiver is in this offense is going to have fantasy value. And, you know, I think that receiver is Marvin Jones. Um, I feel like there is, you know, DJ Chark is there. LaVisca Chenault is there. But I feel like Jones Jr., barring injury, is just going to outperform both of them. Um, and, you know, even if they do have a bad offense with Trevor Lawrence, you know, the rookie quarterback and new coaching staff and things like that, we saw last year with this team, James Robinson, who was an undrafted free agent, finished as one of the best running backs in fantasy last year, despite Jacksonville having the 31st ranked rushing attack. So it's entirely possible that Marvin Jones is a, a value uh, this year for for fantasy. I'm going to switch things up a little bit and come, come in with a rookie. Um, and I'm going to go with Devontae Smith uh, in Philly. And, um, you know, I, I think this is a great situation for him because he's coming in as the wide receiver one. Um, there's Philly's wide receiver core has been not the best for a few years. I mean, that video of the guy complaining about uh, Nelson Aguilar of um, – uh, like there, he was talking about how they are catching babies, and he said, "Unlike Aguilar, that's one of my favorite videos on the internet. Um, I love that video." But uh, yeah, I think Smith. I think he is a seriously legit prospect at wide receiver, and um, you know they have Jalen Rieger. Uh, he's he's another good one, and I think he should be able to take some of the pressure off of Smith. Uh, but you know Smith is coming in there. I think he's g- going to get a lot of targets from Jalen Hurts, and um, you know. At, that website I, I mentioned earlier, um, one second, fantasypros.com, excuse me, it has him ranked as the 40th uh, wide receiver. So you can scoop him up later on, um, you know, in later rounds. And, you know, we, we had no Devontae Smith's resume. Uh, Heisman winner last year, uh, third-ranked prospect, according to NFL.com, all-time SEC leader in reception yards. He's just – his resume speaks for, speaks for itself. Excuse me. And I know he's a bit skinny, but um, I don't think that's going to deter him one bit. And I think he's going to be a seriously good weapon uh, for any fantasy team that decides to pick him up this year. Yeah, I mean, especially, too, with the wide receiver position, it's one of those positions where guys can come in as rookies and make immediate impacts. Like we saw Justin Jefferson do it last year. I mean, instantly go to the top of the league as one of the best wide receivers. So, I mean, Devontae Smith, especially like with what you said, Ryan, if he's the 40th available wide receiver, like the 40th ranked wide receiver, 
that's a that's a big time stealing. I mean, he's got probably more upside than any guy that's around there at, in terms of the draft. So I mean, absolutely, you should scoop him up because he was phenomenal in college. For my last guy, for my third and final player, I've got to go a little bit biased mode and pump up one of the guys on my personal favorite NFL team. That's the Washington football team. And they made a big time signing, at least in my mind, in the offseason at the wide receiver position and brought in Curtis Samuel from the Carolina Panthers. And we've already had a, a bunch of discussions about it. And it's been kind of a theme of, you know, reuniting with old coaches and stuff like that. And Curtis Samuel's doing the same thing too, because the Washington coaching staff with Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, they're from Carolina. And Curtis Samuel was you know, on, was there with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner back in, you know, 2018, 2017 in, in, in Carolina. And Curtis Samuel, to me, is another guy who's I think is a little bit underrated and I think can really have a big-time boom year at the wide receiver position. I'm going to lay out just a couple of stats real quick to, you know, get a kind of baseline of about him as a player. Last year with Carolina – in 15 games, 851 receiving yards, three touchdowns, three touchdowns. An interesting thing too is that he actually had 200 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in that Carolina offense last year. So that adds up to a total of over a thousand scrimmage yards. He finished as the wide receiver 24 in full PPR last year, and he's going to be coming over into a Washington offense, which I think really has high potential to surprise a lot of people this year, especially with another new face that they got in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Curtis Samuel, uh, the, the biggest thing with him is that he, it, it kind of goes a little bit against what we were saying about, you know, opportunity and all that stuff. But I think for the benefits that Curtis Samuel is going to get from this is going to outweigh the risk, which is that he's not going to be the wide receiver one for Washington because Washington has Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel is going to be, playing sort of the compliment might even play a little bit in the slots, Terry McLaurin. And I think that's just going to be a net positive for Curtis Samuel because he might not get the most targets on that Washington offense, but he's not going to have to face number one cornerbacks and you know, the top coverage from other guys. Terry McLaurin is going to sort of take that away. And Curtis Samuel is going to be able to sort of feast underneath. You know, we've seen that as kind of a trend in the NFL and especially in fantasy when, you know, there's guys like, Justin Jefferson going opposite Adam Thielen and, you know, Calvin Ridley when Julio Jones was in Atlanta, Calvin Ridley was the number two, but he sometimes had better games and better years just because he was facing lesser coverage. I think Curtis Samuel is going to benefit from that. And I think too, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick being the new quarterback for the Washington football team, at least to start the year, uh, assuming Taylor Heideke doesn't take the job in training camp. Fitzpatrick is a guy who's no, he's, he's not afraid to really, let the ball air out and, you know, sling it deep. And that's one of Curtis Samuel's best traits as a wide receiver is that he's an absolute speed demon, a, a monster deep threat. And he could wind up being a, a huge, huge ceiling guy because he's one of the few guys in the league where he has the potential to on any play, go and get a 75, 80 yard touchdown and just, you know, streak down the sideline on a go route and catch a deep ball. And so all that, all, all those things considered, I mean, in terms of average draft position, which we've kind of touched on, he's not going to be an insane value this year, I don't think. Right now, Fantasy Pros has him at 101, which probably puts him around the ninth or the 10th round, which I, I think is probably fair value for Curtis Samuel because 
He does have a little bit riskier of a floor, I feel like, because he doesn't have a lot of proven production in the past and, you know, has never really had a huge, huge season that, you know, you can sort of look back on and say, well, you know, he can go back to that. But I think this coming season is going to wind up being that, you know, big time breakout season for Curtis Samuel with the fact that he's got Terry McLaurin taking away the top coverage with the fact that he's going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick willing to swing the ball deep to him, especially due to the fact that in Washington and on the offensive side, they've kind of, you know, promoted uh, at least over the past year. And, you know, as sort of one of the new philosophies is that it's almost like a, a positionless style of football, which is, you know, you hear that a lot in terms of basketball positionless play, and it's not really a thing yet in, in, in the NFL, but, Washington's kind of done that where they got Anthony Gibson, or not Anthony Gibson, Antonio Gibson. They got Antonio Gibson. I, I don't know how I messed up my own team's running back's name. That was a complete brain fart. Uh, they got Antonio Gibson, who in college was a wide receiver, and they converted him to a running back, but then they still had him coming out of the backfield a lot and catching passes. They had J.D. McKissick playing sort of a hybrid wide receiver running back type role. And Curtis Samuel in Carolina did that sort of thing too, where, you know, like I said, he still had 200 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns to wide receiver, which is kind of a, you hear that stat and think like that doesn't really make sense, but you know, he's a guy who Washington might conceivably literally line him up as a running back for a couple of plays a game and, you know, get him a couple of you know rushing attempts. And so I think with that fact that, you know, Washington has promoted so much versatility in their offense as something that they want to do. I think that he's just going to get a lot of opportunity to really have a big breakout year. And I think if you're looking in and around that ninth and 10th round for guys who are probably going to be either like a wide receiver three on your team or just a bench piece, I think Curtis Samuel's got one of the higher ceilings in that area. So he's a guy that I, again, have penciled in as one of my names to watch for in terms of guys who are in a new situation for this season. Yeah, I, I really think that's a, a solid pick. I mean, it is, a, a, like you said, a homer pick for yourself, I guess. But, I mean, I'm very, very intrigued by Washington as a whole. I mean, similar to the Rams, I feel like they're going to have just a, a solid season in general. And whenever a team is just good in real life, they end up having a lot of really good fantasy producers. So you have to be excited about Washington and, you know, you know, and, and in particular, Curtis Samuel. I think he's going to have a solid season. But – one player, I guess the last player that I'm going to focus on, for myself at least, is someone in the AFC who moved teams, actually. So Jonu Smith, uh, who was a former tight end for the Tennessee Titans, now a member of the New England Patriots. And the Patriots, they spent a lot of money this offseason. They obviously went out and got Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, some receivers. They got some a defensive back in Jalen Mills. They got some linebackers in Matthew Judon and Kyle Van Noy. But I feel like the most intriguing signing of all this entire offseason for New England was Jonu Smith, who played his first four seasons in the NFL, like, like I said, with the Titans. And in 2020, he had he totaled 41 receptions for 448 yards and eight touchdowns. And that doesn't seem like a lot, but on a offense, you have to remember on an, a very run heavy offense with Derrick Henry and behind AJ Brown and Corey Davis. So essentially the third receiving target on a very run heavy offense. I'd say that's very impressive. So I, I, I just love Janu a lot because just physically 
I think he's a, a matchup nightmare. He's six foot three, 248 pounds. He runs a, a four, six forty. And, you know, he's more of a, a wide receiver in a tight ends body than anything else. He's a really solid route runner. And, you know, he's very elusive in the open field for someone that size. And I feel like the knock uh, for New England, especially last year, was just how ineffective their passing offense was. But I don't think the Patriots would have spent all this money on weapons for nothing. I would imagine they're probably going to let Cam Newton throw the ball a little bit more than he did last year. And if that doesn't work out, they drafted Mac Jones with their first uh, first round pick this year. So if, you know, it could get even better. You, who knows? We'll see. So the quarterback situation, I feel like doesn't necessarily concern me as much as it might other people. And I just personally think, you know, looking at their depth chart that Jonu Smith might be the most talented receiving threat on their roster. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get the most targets, but I feel like while we talk about opportunity and fantasy and how that's so valuable, sometimes it's just talent and you you want to bet on talent when it is a, a late round player or like Johnu. So, you know, he's going in late, late in drafts. So why not take someone that has a, a lot of upside, someone who's still pretty young. And like I said, just could potentially be one of the best uh, receivers on this team. Yeah, I mean, Janu has got, I mean, like you said, for how late he's going, and, you know, it, it is kind of shocking, especially if you, like, when you're going through a mock draft or something and you're looking at, you know, this guy's so low, but then you look at his stats from last year and it's kind of like, doesn't add up. And, you know, I think it's just, like you said, really just a bit of risky situation with, you know, the passing attack. I actually, I kind of want to ask you a question, though, Jory, about Janu, which is, that also the the Patriots also went out and signed another tight end, Hunter Henry. Do you think that there's any, like he might steal a little bit of opportunity from John or do you really think that John is just going to overtake him as the number one option as the most talented receiver on this roster? Yeah, that's definitely one concern of mine. I don't know. I still feel like Hunter Henry is more of more there for, you know, pass blocking in my opinion. I feel like he's, he's, He's been pretty solid at that. I don't, I think as he's, you know, as his career has gone on in the NFL, it's kind of regressed a little bit, but he was really good at, to start his career in that department. But I can see a world where it's, you know, they split targets basically, you know, if, you know, those are just the two main tight ends and it takes away from his value. But I'm still willing to bet that John, who has a really solid season, probably the best season of his career. I mean, Again, like I said, he did only have 40 or 41 receptions for 448 yards last year, and that was basically a, his career year. So it, it could be even better um, moving forward in New England. But, yeah, the Hunter Henry aspect is certainly concerning. But, again, I'm willing to bet John, who has a really solid season for the Patriots. Fair enough, Jory. I mean, I'm going to go with uh, a big addition to a Patriots division rival, actually, and, and another rookie. Uh, Joel Moran, if you're somehow listening to this, I know you've got a big man crush on this guy. Uh, so uh, I'm going with Zach Wilson, um, you know, and, and talk about opportunity. I mean, there's no shortage of opportunity here for him. I mean, there's literally no competition at that quarterback spot for him. I mean, the Jets just don't really have um, any other options. I'm barring the, any major injury, he really should play the entire year, uh, all, all 16 games. Um, 
And, you know, I don't, I don't see them playing James Morgan uh, over him very much. Uh, but, you know, hopefully he doesn't suffer uh, the fate that Sam Darnold did. Because, uh, you know, the Jets, they drafted some pretty high quarterback prospects in the past and it just didn't pan out. Maybe Darnold will do better in Carolina. Um, but, you know, they've got a new head coach in Robert Sowett and uh, Mike LaFleur. Mike LaFleur is now their uh, offensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, he was a passing game coordinator with uh, the Niners for the past three years, and including when uh, they had that great 2019 season and George Kittle uh, just had an absolutely fantastic year and everything like that. So um, if Zach Wilson can uh, work with LaFleur and, and try to replicate some of that magic that he caught in that 2019 season, it, it should be a great season for him. And, um, you know, the Jets offensive line is pretty bad, like just saying it candidly, candidly. but um, Wilson's athletic. Uh, he can throw on the run and he can throw it really, really deep. Uh, so if he can get some guys like Denzel Mims or uh, Corey Davis going down deep, I think he should have a decent year, um, fantasy-wise at least. And he's only ranked 28th, so you can pick him up late or even on the waiver wire or something like that. Um, I think you should keep an eye on him. I, I think he'd be a decent backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many good rookies this year. Uh, I'm very excited for, you know, all the quarterbacks. I don't know if a lot of them are going to get a lot of playing time in their rookie years, but all of them seem like they're going to have great careers. You know, there's plenty of really solid wide receivers that were taken some first round running backs that were taken. Obviously I mentioned earlier, Kyle Pitts who everyone is in love with at the tight end position. But yeah, I like the Zach Wilson pick a lot and hopefully the Jets can finally turn around. I feel like I haven't seen a, a good Jets team in like 10 years. It feels like, I don't know. Since Mark Sanchez. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think another big thing too with Zach Wilson is uh, you you touched on it with you know in regards to the offensive line about you know how athletic Zach Wilson is and I mean dude can run and especially in fantasy having a quarterback with a rushing upside is you know one of the bigger more important things at least for me when I'm drafting a team because I mean you look over the past couple of years and guys who really dominate and put up big time games and big numbers over the course of the season are you know the guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are all guys who can rip off, you know, 50, 60 yard, you know, rushing games, rushing, rushing yard, 50, 60, 50 to 60 yard rushing games. Uh, and, you know, whenever they get into the red zone, they're a threat to just take it themselves and run it in as opposed to, you know, handing it off to a running back, you know, throwing a goal line fade. And this past season at BYU, Zach Wilson, he ran for 250 yards, which is nothing crazy, but he had 10 rushing touchdowns, which I mean, that in, in fantasy terms, you know, if, if you've played college football fantasy, which I mean, I think is a thing, I don't know, but I mean, that's like 60 points from, you know, the rushing side that gets added onto on top of all of his passing stats. So, I mean, that upside thrown in with Zach Wilson and the fact that he's going to be the starter the whole year. And I mean, I think a big thing too is that like if you believe in Zach Wilson and the talent and upside he has, if he's going to be as good and, you know, be the next Patrick Mahomes and stuff that he's been built to be, he should in theory be that right out of the gate. And so he should more than, 
more than likely be a viable fantasy option his rookie year. So, I mean, I, I'm honestly going to be looking at him on my draft boards if I'm waiting on a QB this year. Yeah, I, I mean, again, yeah, I'm excited about all these rookies. This this year's draft class is going to be loaded, I think. But that's a wrap on this episode uh, for myself, Jory Mickens, Joe Matthews, and Ryan Johnston. Again, this was the inaugural episode of Icing the Ticker. Thank you so much for listening, and stay tuned for next week's episode.